Hello everyone, hope your day's going well. Um, we are going to cover the passage of scripture that we um, studied on midweek last week, that was April 5th, and uh, the passage that we looked at was 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 11, or verses 14 through 7 verse 1. Um, kind of They kind of threw the, the chapter break right there in the wrong spot. So again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through chapter 7, verse 1. So if you want to take a look at that, read through it. That'd be a great thing to do. Um, and then we'll jump into it. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and read um, 1 Corinthians 5, verses 9 through 13, because that's going to enter our discussion at the end. Um, so, so go ahead and read that as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. So if you want to read those two passages, press pause on your player, your phone there, and uh, we'll get back to it here in just a little bit. Okay, hopefully you had the time to read those two passages of Scripture. Um, again, we focused on 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 7, 1. And um, this is this is quite a passage of Scripture. This is one that gets used a lot um, when it comes to life in Christ, this, especially this, this first verse. Do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or will fellowship with light with darkness. That continues um, a, a, a pattern of five rhetorical questions that enters in that discussion um those rhetorical questions began by by the the word what and then you'd have five synonyms that are paired together with um five opposites so but before we get there um just take a look at this it says the command is do not be bound um literally it means and you've probably heard this before if you've been doing this church thing for a while literally it means do not be unequally yoked um it's kind of interesting paul does this in first corinthians as well but uh, in applying some, some Old Testament um, law that, that applies actually to animals, that he applies it to humans. And he does this here. Um, Deuteronomy 22.10 says that you should not, in a yoke, um, put together a donkey and an oxen because they're not going to get anything accomplished. The, the oxen's just going to have to drag the donkey along, and the donkey's going to be hurt in the, in, the, in the long run by it all. You'll hurt both of them. So, so do not put them together. And um, Paul uses that, and he applies it to humans, um, applies to human relationships. In this, do not be bound with unbelievers. Now, what is this getting at? Is this getting at partnership um, in business? Is this getting at where it's applied a lot? Is in marriage? Um, we're going to dig into that as, as we close this down here in just a little bit. Um, so Paul continues on this, and he's on this theme of, of being um, in the world um, or as 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 Peter would say, not of the world. So um, again, we'll we'll dig into that just a little bit deeper. But um, as he kind of wraps up after these five rhetorical questions, the re, the way he wraps up this passage is stringing together a pretty extensive um, Old Testament list of of scripture and prophecy. And um, when we see this, the one that jumps out to us, this is covenant language from the law. And it says, I will be their God and they will be my people. Um, the thing about that in the Old Testament is, is God being the God of his people and them being his people, all right, um, requires that the response of his people must be 
they must be holy as he is holy. And that was the main problem throughout the Old Testament because they just could not get there. Of course, Jesus would fulfill all of that. Um, so he continues on through a lot of these verses um, with just one quoting and interweaving one Old Testament quote after another. I will be their father. They will be my sons and daughters. Um, Paul is interweaving these Old Testament quotes for the purpose of, the, of his audience there in Corinth to, to encourage them to um, to drive them to to get further along in this at the trying to attain holiness that they've been given through Christ to live it out in practice um, you see we are I mean seven one makes it real clear we are to be in practice what God has made us by his calling um, Paul's writing and uh, even his writing to the Corinthian church is is filled with with this thought of of we have been washed by the blood of Jesus. We have been sanctified. We have been justified. As a matter of fact, if you remember the end of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, it says this, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. We attain righteousness by and only through the blood of Jesus Christ, but we are to be in practice what God has made us by his calling through Jesus Christ. As I said, this passage gets mostly applied to marriage all right about not being um about not being unequally yoked with unbelievers um and and that really is a good place to apply this because that is the closest and the most meaningful partnership that we human partnership relationship that we have in this life um but let me ask i had you read this at the beginning what about first corinthians 5 verses 9 through 13 where Paul is telling them that they must rid the church of this of this perpetrator, this um, this man along with his stepmom was in a horrible relationship, um, immoral relationship. He said, "No, no, no, no. He cannot be a part of your fellowship." any longer in practicing what he is practicing and but then paul goes on to say when i told you not to associate with the immoral people i meant so-called believers people within the church who are doing this he says how could you ever not partner how could you ever not relate to people of the world who are doing this in order for that to be accomplished if you're going to avoid the completely you would have to leave the world so I don't think Paul is contradicting himself here, but here in chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, I don't believe the point is isolation. I think the point is holiness. After all, to be holy, what does that mean? Technically, it means at its very core to be set apart, to be different. And it's not that we are to remove ourselves from the world. We are to be different from the world. Let me ask you this question. What good is a believer whose behavior is identical to the non-believers of the world. What impact are they going to make on those non-believers? And how are they practically representing Jesus Christ? If they are no different, and their behavior, their language is no different from the people of the world. So Paul is making it very, very clear here. We are to live up to the holiness that has been given us freely by the blood of Jesus Christ by our behavior. Does it mean we're going to do this perfectly? No, we're going to mess up. We're going to mess up. But Jesus said it so very well to his followers, and we being his followers are instructed by this as well when he says, Let your light shine before men 
And then he explains that. That could be like, well, what's he getting at with that? Well, he tells us exactly when he says this. Let your light shine before men so that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When the world sees a believer, a follower of Jesus, they should see something different. Um, when, when life gets difficult, they should see something different. When life is great, they should see something different. They should always see something different when they see a believer. Are we living up to that? Obviously, in Corinth, there were some who were not, and Paul was encouraging them to get on board with this and to live differently. All right, so that was what we took a look at last week. On April 5th, now, um, this week, which tomorrow will be Wednesday, and it'll be April 12th, and we'll have a meal at 6 o'clock. I think it's pizza night. Now, don't hold me to that. Look at band tomorrow, um, and JB will put that on there, but I do think it's pizza night. Um, and after after supper um, at 6, we'll have classes for all ages at 7 o'clock. Now, in our midweek class in the sanctuary, uh, we will be finishing up 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and here Paul will finally kind of conclude his long tangent that lasted several chapters and um, jump right back into what he was talking about before he went into this tangent clear back in chapter two. So um, it's kind of a long passage, but I think we'll be able to get through it. And boy, there is something very, very powerful in the passage tomorrow about sorrow and what sorrow can bring for somebody who has a heart that is soft when it comes to God and it comes to his call. So we'll take a look at that tomorrow. Um, again, hope you have a great day. I'd love to see you tomorrow evening.